Hello and welcome to Nerd Vomit. I'm Doug. I'm a nerd and this is my vomit. We've got some things on the vomitorium to talk about. We're going to go back to talking about the Titans finale. I was remiss last week and I got a few tweets about it. The post credit scene in which you see Con-El, or uh, let's, let's just call him Con-El, Con-El Superboy escaping from Cadmus and releasing Crypto, his super dog. Now, I made that all sound really stupid. I will say that when I first saw Crypto, I was like, oh no, they're going to actually have, like, his dog. Like, a super dog. That's so silly. But then if you really watch Titans, I'm like, that dog's just going to murder people. It's going to be a Krypton, uh, uh, Krypton murder dog is what that's going to be, with a Superman clone at the helm. And I'll be very interested to see when Superboy comes back in the second season to take on uh, Trigun, who is a demon, who looks like a very dapper man right now, but when you saw him in Coriander's ship, in Starfire's ship, he looked like the hulking demon that he is. When is that going to happen? Hopefully season two, and hopefully they'll wrap up the whole Trigun storyline, because I like to see maybe Deathstroke, uh, maybe like a Judas contract for season three. That'd be wicked awesome if you're a Teen Titans fan. Next, let's see. I've got the Silver Lining DLC. I'll be perfectly honest. I just talked about this on another show. Um, I'm about maybe a third of the way through the Silver Lining DLC for the Spider-Man PlayStation 4 game. And to be perfectly honest, so far I, I want to know how the story ends because there's so much to wrap up from the alleged death of Black Cat and Hammerhead being revived and, you know, really instigating a huge turf war in Manhattan and then Silver Sable coming back to get all of her Sable tech, her Silver tech, whatever they call it. Uh, and Spider-Man's caught in the middle of everything and this is the last DLC to wrap up the City That Never Sleeps um, DLC package. But unfortunately, right now, the part I'm at is uh, chasing a hovercraft surrounded by drones, and I suck at chasing things. This is something where if you go back on episodes of, I believe, Nerd Vomit, possibly, no applause, just the clap, even, I complained about having to chase pigeons. Uh, now I'm chasing robot pigeons, effectively drones, and it's annoying, and I'm not good at it, and it's not that the game mechanics are bad, it's that I'm not good at it, so I've kind of hit a, a roadblock in terms of finding out how the story progresses, and I'm going to hopefully overcome that in the next couple of days on my days off from the day job. Let's see. But last week, what else did I do? Uh, Fantastic Beasts. Uh, I almost said where to find them, but spoiler alert, his, his suitcase. I watched uh, Fantastic Beasts 2, The Crimes of Gren Grendenwald, whatever it is, and I said I'd talk about this this week. It was all right. I mean, it's basically built as a trilogy, um, obviously the first one ended with the whole reveal with Johnny Depp, and then this one has got a hot Dumbledore, as the internet keeps going on about, and, uh, Newt Scarmander coming back, and it's got, it's got the taste of Order of the Phoenix to it, uh, with all of Grendenwald's, uh, acolytes going up and going like, hey, look, the Aurors, you know, killed one of us, and... Uh, you have kind of the, the core group of characters split up with uh, Newt lo losing his lady love, uh, but gaining it with the Auror whose name I suddenly can't think of, but then the psychic sister goes with Johnny Depp, 
while Dan Folger's character, the gentleman with the Polish name who's a muggle, you know, is, is siding with Newt, so uh, you very much have, like, kind of a divided team by the end of this. Uh, the pacing was all right. Um, once again, it's it's not like it took me by surprise when I watched, weirdly enough, another Johnny Depp movie. Uh, when I watched the second Pirates of the Caribbean movie, I didn't know it was going to be a trilogy, so I was like, wow, the pacing's really weird on this, and that's like, oh, it's going to be a trilogy. It's meant to end on this massive cliffhanger, and it's meant that, you know, it's just a lot of setup. This one with Fantastic Beasts 2, I walked in going, okay, I know it's going to be a trilogy, the pacing's going to be a little weird. It moved well enough. Uh, the acting is still fun. Uh, I like kind of the J.K. Rowling's take on kind of the American side of their almost imperialistic uh, take on magic. Uh, very much her saying something about Trump, I'm sure. So... But speaking of sequels as well, I've watched Runaways on Hulu Season 2. Man, it's good. It does drag a bit in terms of getting to reveal kind of the villain for the next season, uh, for Season 3, the true Gaborium, uh, which in the comics were these, like, kind of evil agents of God. You'd kind of have to read it for it to make sense. Uh, in this, they're like light aliens. Uh, who have taken possession of some of the evil parents, or misunderstood parents. They're not truly evil like they are in the comics. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, I think, is it, to me, a little lazy uh, relying on James Marster, Spike from uh, Buffy, to play kind of a more villainous character uh, when he had so many, literally had like two or three like redemptive arcs in the first and second seasons. To, to turn him back into a villain, I mean, I know he's good at it, but I think... It's lazy, um, and we still don't know. There are four light aliens, and we only know where three of them are. I have a theory. Number four is the baby. When you watch it, that's my theory. Um, but I do like that they got more into kind of the church of Gaborium. Um, there was a lot of weird kind of like throwaway lines at the beginning of the season that I didn't think... I mean, there were throwaway lines where they talk about um, Carolina's grandmother, uh, who's the... I can't think of the, her mother's name off the top of my head, but uh, that ends up coming back, and they get into, like, her father and how the church started and how, like, kind of the history of Jonah, played by Julie McMahon. Was, I was really impressed that they really gave a lot of the backstory time to breathe and develop to that. You went, oh, that's where they came from. It's not just a bad guy with no motivation. I mean, could they have done that in the first season? Yeah, but I think it would have cost them because... At that point, you just want to see the kids literally run away, which they finally do at the end of the first season. And this was, while they're running away, you find out more about kind of their parents and kind of where their motivations came from to create the pride, this sinister charity. And speaking of sinister charities, I watched the CNN documentary Three Identical Strangers. I'm not going to say a lot about this because, and normally I know I say spoiler alerts on all of this, I really don't want to spoil this documentary. Yeah, I said spoil this documentary. That's how bonkers this documentary is. I'll give you the premise. The premise is this guy goes to college and he gets mistaken for someone else. And he ends up finding this someone else. Uh, the first person is, uh, I think, Bobby. And then he gets mistaken for Eddie. And when they find each other at this college, they realize they were like twins separated at birth. And you're like, that's crazy. And while they're on the news about it, uh, the local news, 
this other family goes, oh my God, that looks like our son, whose name I suddenly forgot. And they go, oh my God, they were, they were triplets, triplets separated at birth. And they become kind of a, a, a celebrity triplet uh, group. And, and they kind of like, they kind of revel in, in the celebrity of it uh, while they're doing that. Well, the triplets are like, yeah, we found each other. This is crazy. They start researching it. The parents start looking into it. And the parents realize that all three of the triplets came from the same adoption agency. Um, and they go, well, why weren't we told that there were triplets? Like, one guy goes, we would have taken all three of them. Um, you know, if it's that hard to get triplets to be adopted. And as they start digging into the why the triplets were separated... Uh, it, it seems at first like just like, well, it's hard to get, you know, three kids adopted versus one, which I guess makes some amount of sense. The more you find out about w what was going on at the adoption agency and how far it goes and what it what it truly means. Oh, my God. Like once you think it couldn't get more crazy, bonkers, banana pants, it does. I don't want to ruin anything on this other than please watch it. It was one of those I didn't. I didn't, I kind of held off on watching it because I knew it was a documentary and it was going to be, you know, kind of heavy. And I was like, oh, I just want to watch comedies or Fantastic Beasts or, you know, Runaways came out. Um, but once I sat down with three identical strangers, I was blown away. Could not stop watching it. it was once again just floored, flabbergasted, slack jawed, uh, pie eyed at, at what was going on in this. And, and, like, what you find out about the, the three brothers and, like, their families and these other families. And just go watch it. And you're welcome. Because, like I said, every time you go, couldn't get more crazy, it does. Um, speaking of crazy, I rewatched the Matrix trilogy. Or the Matrices, as I call them. Because that's the plural of Matrix. This was coming off of a conversation with a coworker at the day job where we start talking about um, trilogies where the second one was, was better than the first. And, you know, we I said Godfather uh, and Godfather two. Um, I believe he said, uh, Oh, dark, uh, dark Knight versus Batman begins. And we start talking about, well, you know, Logan was better than both of the other Wolverines. We started getting into like trilogy talk and oh, of course, Empire Strikes Back better than first hope. I know that might be slightly controversial, but deal with it. And, we were talking about the Matrix trilogy, and we were both like, well, the first one's the best. The second one I liked because I, I thought it was the philosophy of kind of what the Matrix was, and I liked the idea that, like, free will is a remainder to an equation, and I liked kind of the playoff of the architect and the the oracle, you know, being control versus free will. And, of course, you know, you start seeing the development of Neo being, like, true free will, and, like, he has no rules in the in the Matrix versus... You know, Agent Smith, who's, like, literally, like, controlling the Matrix to the point where he, he's the only one in it at, at, at by the time of, of the third movie, which the third movie sucks. Uh, it was heavy-fisted, uh, religious overtones I did not care for. I, I thought it could have been wrapped up better. That's me. Uh, the fact that, like, the Matrix itself, the machine, like, prime source has, like, a giant baby face voiced by what sounded like Clancy Brown was admittedly disturbing, and I hope that's what they're going for, but a baby face. Why a baby face? Like, wouldn't, like, a machine con construct wouldn't do that. It would just be like, 
one of those like pin things that you put your hand in and it pushes the pins and it's the shape of the hand. Like I would imagine it would just be something like that where it's like just like basic geometric shapes because it's a fucking machine. Why would it have a baby face other than to just shrink her genitals in disgust and fear? Oh, so that's my take on the Matrix. No, uh, second one was better than I thought it was. Uh, it's still not as good as the first one, so I'll wrap up on that in terms of talking about the matrices. Uh, lastly, uh, I watched Ralph Breaks the Internet. It's a worthy sequel. It's a lot of fun. Oh my god, it's almost got... I mean, the first one's got all the video game references, and now this one's got like all the internet references. And it had me like pausing every five seconds to like go, oh, there's that thing, oh, there's that thing. It's almost like watching a Pixar version of Ready Player One, where it's so reference-heavy and so meta-contextual that it it's it's just fun to watch. And it's still funny and smart and witty and clever, and I loved everything about the Disney princesses. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I, I highly recommend this movie. But the scene with the, the Disney princesses where they basically break down the stereotypical things that happen to the Disney princesses, and they go, well, haven't you ever realized your dreams? Like, you sing into water, and like, there's a spotlight, and you sing into water, and you know what your dream is. And I was like, oh my god, that's totally what happens in every fucking Disney princess movie. So it was a lot of fun, uh, Disney kind of poking fun at itself after that. And of course... Ralph Breaks the Internet was after the whole Disney has absorbed, you know, Lucas and Pixar and Marvel. So you do have, like, Star Wars references and Marvel references, along with... I, I can't even imagine, like, how much they had to pay or talk to, like, Google or, you know, some of the other companies that you see in the just in the background to get their names in it to make it look like the actual Internet. So I thought, fantastic sequel... Is it as good as the first? No. But it is damn close, in my opinion. And that's it. That's the Vomitorium. Once again, I, 14 episodes in, have no sign-off. So, this is me, signing off. If you liked this, check out some of our other shows, like Mr. Right, Exotic Liability, and No Applause, Just the Clap. You can find us at www.bacnpodcast.com and by searching for BACN on iTunes and Stitcher. Oh, yeah.